listening to Heart of the Ark podcast from the Office for Evangelization in the Archdiocese of Newark. We're coming to you to bring knowledge and some courage as we voyage through this life as missionary disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. My name is Jennifer Benke, and I'm co-hosting this podcast with my friend and colleague, Father John Gordon. Good day. Hello, dear listeners. Uh, This is, again, another uh, podcast of The Heart of the Ark. This is Father John Gordon, along with Jennifer Benke from the Office for Evangelization, and we are delighted to be with you this day. We're actually recording on the second day of the Octave of Prayer for Christian Unity. Please, as we begin, let us pray, being very mindful of Jesus' own prayer to the Father for the unity in the whole body of Christ. So let us begin in prayer in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord God, we thank you for your here. We thank you, Jesus, for coming to us in the first place, the season of the Incarnation Christmas that we continue to linger over all these days. We pray, Lord God, that your prayer to the Father on the day of your Last Supper might be fulfilled, that we would be one. We pray for unity in the whole body of Christ. We pray for unity among nations and within families. We pray for unity in the church, in our parishes, in all our environments. We pray for unity in our own hearts with you, Lord our God. And in so doing, Lord Jesus, we pray that we would be a sign and an instrument of love and peace to the whole world, that everybody can know, Lord Jesus, that you have come. You've come to set people free, and you come to draw us into the unity with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that is our destiny. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. How are you, Jennifer? Good to I'm see well, you. Father. Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year. That's right. <laughs> we haven't done a podcast since uh, last year. That's right. <laughs> but, you know, here we are in the uh, middle of January, and we're about a month away from Lent, and we're just a few weeks away from January 1st. And for many people, New Year's is a time of making resolutions. I was reading recently about one gym that was not taking any new members for the month of January because they have so many people who join as a New Year's resolution, and then they never see them again. Right. So I thought that was interesting. Don't talk about resolutions. We're two weeks in, and I've already failed, right? Exactly right. Exactly <laughs> right. And from our Catholic perspective, our faith perspective, there's nothing magical about January 1st resolutions. There's all sorts of opportunities to make resolutions every day, for example, to make a resolution. Obviously, in the context of a retreat, uh, you're invited to make a resolution or even a parish mission. There's a time of renewal in some particular way. If you're involving yourself in a new apostolate or ministry or a new job, for example, these are times of resolution as well. And even though we're still several weeks out, Lent is a most appropriate time for us as Catholics to make a resolution. And many of us do. Many people do. They make resolutions about the spiritual life. They're going to maybe go to daily mass or they're going to fast or they're going to do some kind of of act of charity. And the challenge, of course, is not just like January 1st, uh, within the second or third week of Lent, it's not making this, it's not working out so much for us. But it is a wonderful time to make a resolution. Yes. 
So I was thinking another opportunity for a resolution is that examination of conscience that we do before we make a trip into the confessional and before reconciliation. And even every night, some the Ignatian spirituality of an examination every night, you get a fresh start the next morning. So. That's, that's absolutely right. You know, to recognize even each day, you know, it's the Book of Lamentation says uh, his mercies are renewed each morning. An opportunity to say, how can today be better than yesterday or at least as good as? Right. <laughs> um, and, and those kinds of things are, are great opportunities. But because Lent is something that does capture the imagination uh, of us, um, it's long period, it's, it's powerful. So many opportunities are given to us for renewal during the season of Lent that it seems as if it's good to not wait till Shrove Tuesday, the day before Ash Wednesday, <laughs> Mardi Gras night, to begin to think about some of these resolutions. Yeah. The way some of the uh, resolutions that we prepare for, you know, within the secular context of, of the new year, if we're going to start a new diet or whatever, we have to go to the grocery store and buy the, the items that we will be partaking of for this period of time. We have to get our heads in the right space. We have to put, find our yoga mat or whatever. You know, we have to find all these things that we we need the materials. We need to gather the materials to do the work. That's right. And and to also begin to make a decision, am I capable of doing this? Right. Uh, Jesus tells a story about um, who is fit for the kingdom of God. You know, uh, that uh, you cannot put your hand to the plow and look back. You're not, you're unfit for the kingdom of God. And he talks about who would go with an army of 10,000 to withstand an army of 20,000. Would he not sue for terms of peace first? Or who starts to build something and runs out of money and can't finish the building, and then it becomes a laughing stock. So part of the resolution-making process is a real self-awareness of, am I capable of fulfilling this resolution? Right. Not to not reach for a higher, greater spirituality, but to set goals that are manageable within your own life and with your own in your own family practice or or your schedule and then to find ways to carve out the time and the intention and the energy that you need to make these changes. It's interesting, as you're saying that, I was thinking, uh, this is a terribly awkward uh, segue and <laughs> maybe not a good comparison, but only because I was at a meeting about this recently about the annual appeal. And uh, each parish is, uh, has a certain assessment to make for the annual appeal, a certain goal. And uh, But then there's also what they call the stretch goal. Mm-hmm. And if the stretch goal is met, all these benefits accrue back to the parish in terms of a rebate or a lessened um, a, a lesser uh, assessment for the following year but there's so there's the goal and then there's a stretch goal and that might be something to consider for advent resolution in light of what you're saying this is something there's a there's a, a an initial resolution that I know I can keep I know I can do this I'm not saying it's gonna be easy but it's very doable but maybe I should stretch it a little bit right. as well and say hmm maybe I need to not just have this minimal as it were or relatively easy or doable a resolution although I certainly want to have that so that I fall into nothing. But let me have a stretch piece of it as well that I can keep going, reaching for, maybe not making it, but continue to reach for it. And, and the other thing about the Lenten resolution is it doesn't all have to be perfect by Ash Wednesday. Right. <laughs> it's an I've evolving got, process yeah, of seven weeks, right? I've got these 40 days <laughs> and, and uh, we'll hopefully address in a later podcast about Lent itself, uh, the nature of Lent and how or that what that means for us in terms of resolution. But if we are to use Lent as a 
paradigm, as it were, or a model for resolution, you know, the traditional Lenten disciplines are prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. We hear about that on Ash Wednesday from the Sermon on the Mount. And it seems as if they correspond not just to those particular acts, but prayer is addressing like the spiritual side of us. Fasting uh, seems to address the, the physical side of us and almsgiving the material side of us. And I think when we think about a Lenten resolution, it might be good to consider how can I make a resolution on all three of these levels. Right. Yeah. We tend to focus on only one. For ex- most, many people do. I'm going to go to daily mass. That's probably the biggest Lenten resolution that many people have. And what will happen is Ash Wednesday and maybe the first few days of Lent, our daily mass attendance goes way up, and it's wonderful. And maybe even for the first few days after that first Sunday of Lent. But then by the time we get to the end of that first week, into the second week, the attendance goes down. It's still higher than typical, but... I think what ends up happening is people often have the only, that's the only resolution they made for Lent, and when they couldn't do it for whatever reason, maybe even valid, or they missed it for some reason, whatever reason it was, they feel, well, what's the point? Right. What's the point? But again, using your image, a metaphor of the diet, just because you didn't diet this one day, oh, I, I ate I ate 15 Hershey bars, whatever it was. Um, Stop looking in my uh, car that, window, Father John. It's that Krispy Kreme diet, you know. <laughs> but rather than say, oh, that's, what's the point? I might as well just eat 15 Hershey bars every day. But the point is, oh, that was a bad day, but I can get back on it. Right. And if we're willing to do that for something like a diet, how much more for the things of God? And I think that this is really an important way to address our humanity in terms of we all know that we're hungry. We're hungry for something. And 15 Hershey bars is not going to fill it. And neither is watching things that are not good for us on TV or videos or whatever, or these other ways that we use our time and our energy and our mentality to focus on things that are not of God. So sometimes I think, you know, what am I, not only what am I going to give up, but what am I going to do? What, um, what is, what is a practice that I can do for Lent or, and how will that giving that time or that energy change who I am inside, right? I think it's attributed to Soren Kierkegaard, but it's prayer doesn't change God, it, pray, it changes the per, he yes. who prays, right? Mm-hmm. So how do, am I going to... Or she who prays. Right. So <laughs> she prays a lot, a lot. <laughs> so how am I going to change the person that I see in the mirror right. on the inside? And the thing, too, is, especially for Lent as well, it's not just a matter of what can I do to please God. That's certainly a very, very wonderful attitude and approach to have and one that will guide us very, very well. But I think, and this is what I want to encourage our listeners, as we get ready to think of Lenten resolutions, pray, have a conversation with God. What does God seem to lead you in? Not only that pleases him, but will also make a difference in your own life. Begin to improve you in some way. It's not a self-improvement program. It's not just our, our mere effort. In fact, if we don't involve the Lord in our Lenten resolution, we will not be able to carry it out. And so I want to just encourage us to have some kind of conversational prayer, listen to the Lord, consider how you might grow in any of these various uh, Lenten uh, disciplines, 
prayer could be just, I'm going to take some time every day to listen to God. I'm going to pray the scriptures, uh, read the Psalms every day, or just something, or not even daily. We can make a resolution that doesn't have a daily application. Right. It might have a weekly application. It might have uh, whatever it might be. So, or just a few days a week, you know? Right. So Maybe I, I'm going to take Saturday morning, and before I, I get to the chores in the morning, I'm going to take about an hour, and instead of scrolling through social media, I'm going to read a book about a life mm -hmm. of the saints or right. a book about spirituality or just grab the book of Psalms, yep. the, yes. which is what Jesus prayed, right? That's uh, right. You know, grab the book of Psalms. They're so beautiful and so inspirational in terms of meditating on the Word of God. Yes, and I think too that um, that the, you mentioned Saturday. I'm reminded of a friend of mine who, uh, when she was working full time, was not able to go to daily mass because the schedule just doesn't permit it for many people. As much as they would like to go to daily mass, they can't because of their work schedule. But Saturday morning, that was her time with the Lord. So she would always go to mass on Saturday morning, and it was. Uh, she would tell me after. What she tells me now is, and re reflecting on it now, she's retired and she she goes every day mostly. But it wasn't even a time of praying for others. It was just a time of, of her being with God, using that gift of Saturday, and I thought that was very profound. And, and so that's another thing that we can do to to kind of where can we f put in these things that are helpful to us? For example, you mentioned fasting, uh, to create a hunger, not just for Hershey bars, but a hunger for the Word of God, for example, or a hunger for justice or, or the like. You know, I think the other thing about uh, resolutions is that they need to be very, very practical and to a certain extent, even measurable. Right. Um, so that it's not, oh, I'm gonna pray more. Praise God, that's wonderful. But specifically, what does that mean? I'm gonna be more generous uh, to others. Oh, specifically, what does that mean? And it might mean things like, I know some people, they keep a little uh, box of little tiny goodie bags with uh, some uh, small money and maybe like a Hershey bar, for example, or uh, socks or a hat, and they give it to people as they see them on the streets or homeless or people panhandling uh, by the car. So they're prepared to do something with that. So that's the other piece of it, again, doing the preparation work. How can almsgiving not just be giving money, but giving of myself in some way, shape, or form? To no longer kind of roll my eyes when so-and-so uh, wants to have a conversation with me, but I'm going to just be attentively listening. That's a type of almsgiving. Mm -hmm. So all those kinds of situations can be very helpful for us. And I think the other piece of it that's super helpful is to have somebody that we kind of relate this with, you know, some kind of prayer buddy, accountability partner. It could be a spouse, a coworker, uh, whatever. But the, the kinds of a kind of person without judgment who will just help us kind of give a little reality check to this. Mm -hmm. um, a spiritual director, if someone has that, would be a good person for that as well. Right. This is what my intention is, and uh, or ask you about that. You know, mm -hmm. uh, many people are involved in faith-sharing groups, and that can be an environment to do that as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes along with not only having more of a community, uh, mm -hmm. you know, of support, but I think that that can also be, you know, something that is very easily incorporated into a family. I mentioned to my partner, I'm having trouble praying right mm -hmm. now. You know, there's there's stuff going on and I'm struggling with prayer. And he said, so 
let's let's pray every day. Sure. Let's pray every day together. Right. You know, and so just that taking the time to pray and hold hands for five minutes and feel like, okay, I'm not in this alone. And the accountability there is, is important. And it really does bring you closer together to the person as well as to God, because God always wants that relationship with us. He loves us more Mm -hmm. than we can ever even imagine. I was reading an article the other day about somebody who had taken some time, extended time to really examine their life professionally, spiritually, personally, physically, all the elements of their life, all the things that make up their life and uh, where things were going well, where things were not going well and their their values and all that stuff came under review. Took several days to do this, almost like a personal retreat, I guess. Anyway, the resolution he came away with was that when he comes home from work, he is not going to sit in the reclining chair because it means I'm going to be now attentive to my family. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say this is me time. I'm here to serve. I'm going to be attentive to the Lord. In other words, it took him off himself and made him much more attentive to the family and all their needs, as well as his own relationship with God and the like. And just that one simple resolution can have such a ripple effect well beyond just one thing. So I think that's part of the fruit of prayer in terms of resolution. What might be the one thing I can do? Uh, So, for example, I remember I had one spiritual director I would meet with and encouragement was, of course, to pray every day. And I was at that point able to pray in the morning. But sometimes I wasn't able to pray in the morning because maybe I got an emergency call or I had trouble sleeping or whatever it might be. A reason I did not pray in the morning. And I needed to have a plan B. And the plan B was, for example, well, I don't get to have lunch if I haven't prayed. Okay. I like lunch. (laughs) (laughs) Don't like the fast. I like lunch. And so it's like that was a great, simple resolution because it meant that it affected prayer, but affected my attitude towards getting to bed the night before and all the various pieces that that flow from that. And so those kinds of simple resolutions that can have an effect beyond the moment can be very, very fruitful and helpful. Yeah. I think also the way in which we, going back to something we touched on before, the way in which we choose to spend our time and and regulate it and kind of give it uh, more of greater meaning than just where we are in our lives. Because as Christians, we're a people in waiting. Mm. God is, the kingdom is, and it will be, right? So we have to find the ways in which we're going to keep those two things in our mind at the same time and really live in that paradox. And how are we spending those moments of waiting? And are we deepening our relationship with God and one another? Or are we spending it just giving it to temporal or materialistic things? When I was studying theology in the seminary and we had a course on the kingdom of God, and it's funny, of course, over and over again in the Gospels. And the phrase that was used, it's already and not yet. Yes. You know, um, and, and there's, there's a great truth to that. There's a, there's a challenge and a comfort to that, you know, and uh, to, to live in that, that tension, as it were, uh, is, is a very, very good thing. And I think, too, the ability to live in such a way that my resolutions can evolve, Yes. In other words, I may have made a resolution that was just really untenable. It's uh, I thought it was a minimum goal, and it's a stretch, stretch, stretch goal. So I need to modify this. No failure to realize, hey, I, I can't do the 50-yard dash in 10 seconds. Right. And what's my goal? Am I, is my goal to be a dash runner or to be a marathon runner? Right. You know, and, and the spiritual life, dear friends, is a 
marathon. It's not a sprint. <laughs> uh, life itself is a marathon, not a sprint. And if we approach things that everything has to be immediate and successful all at once, and we beat ourselves up if it doesn't happen, is a recipe for failure, as it were. And it reinforces the idea that heaven is a destination. Mm. In reality, heaven is the relationship with God and being in that fullness. And that's what we aspire to like the saints. We're, we're aspiring to be perfectly united to God and, and Christ. And so how can we get those moments right now instead of thinking like at some point I'm going up to a cloud with a gate? Sure. Right? Yeah. And sometimes the resolution isn't spiritual as much as it is physical or material. That I remember when I was both for myself as well as when I was working with uh, formation work at Franciscan University of Steubenville, that I would say to guys sometimes, maybe before you spend another hour in the chapel, you need to spend an hour in the library, you know, because your your vocation, as it were, is that as a student right now, not to minimize the prayer, but to also not forget the others. Sometimes what it would be, before you spend another hour doing this, you should spend an hour in the gym, mm-hmm. you know, or spend an hour hanging out with your friends. Now, there, there needs to be a balance in our life. And so every resolution isn't going to be spiritual directly, but it should all be about making us the kind of person that that God wants us to be. And for that, we need to consider what does it mean to be a, a man, a woman of God uh, in our particular state of life uh, in 2023. Right. There are so many things that we have to do during the day mm-hmm. that we don't necessarily want to be in that moment, right? I, I'm, I'm always thinking about traffic, right? <laughs> Which is... Because you're from New Jersey. Right, because I'm from New Jersey and it's a it's a reality of life and exactly right. especially a reality of a mom who mm-hmm. has to pick up kids at different places in different times. Right. So I'm going to things or I'm, you know, I have on my little odometer a decade rosary thumb mm-hmm. that sits right on my... So I'll, at any moment, I could just pick it up. It's right there by the steering wheel, and I can quickly go through the prayers. You know, but it's also a realization of you have to plan. Right. In other words, you can't say, "Oh, I have to pick up my daughter at two thirty in um, Bloomfield and leave Newark at two thirty. Right. Well, that's just not going to happen. <laughs> not even leaving Newark at two fifteen. No. Type of deal. It is not. So. Those kinds of things. I remember when I was in college the first time that I was very poor at that. Like I would not consider how long it took me to get from one place to another. And even in my early years of priesthood, I often did not calculate that into the schedule. And consequently, I was always late for something or disappointing people in that regard. So those kinds of things are part of the practicality of of a resolution. I'm just thinking uh, for for myself, I don't know about you, Jen, but I've been doing a little thinking about where might my Lenten resolutions be going. It's not fully formed yet. I'll be meeting with my spiritual director very soon to help kind of sort some of them out. But uh, just to put it out there, um, and just in terms of this is one person's thought about how prayer, fasting, and almsgiving uh, are an opportunity for us, for me, to make some resolutions that hopefully won't just last for the 40 days, right. but hopefully will last beyond and endure beyond that. Because that's what time it takes to often change a habit or to develop a new one. I think that's part of what we're looking to do with a Lenten resolution, not just make a Lenten practice just for the 40 days, but if we're looking at resolution, which means a change in our life, it can't just be a Lenten discipline, but it's something that's going to make a difference 
beyond. So, for one man's thoughts, do not hold me to any of these, my dear friends, because they're just kind of thoughts, and these might be stretch goals or they might be impossible goals. But in terms of prayer, that is in terms of the spiritual life, the relationship with God, I really want to invest more that aspect of my life in the scriptures themselves. I'm a big fan, a big promoter of the scripture. so. I want to spend at least, I shouldn't say at least, I'd like to spend some significant time each week in scripture study, like really getting into a, a commentary or doing something, uh, some, some study. I, I am part of a men's Bible study, but it's more Bible sharing than study. But there is some study involved, but to do some study. And the other piece, I think, is to do some real Lexio Divina every day, even if it's just for a few minutes. And the kind of thing that would be a passage from the scripture that I could kind of mull over throughout the day. When I have done that, it's been a great blessing, both of those things. So that's the prayer piece of it. I don't know if you have anything you want to recommend for me. or you. Wanna... <laughs> <laughs> no, I think both of those are good. And I mean, they draw from some of our spiritual fathers, right? Uh, St. Ignatius said, start with just meditating on the Our Father. St. Therese of Lisieux said, go to the gospel. So starting with sure. just those types of practices. Yeah, absolutely. And this is beyond what I already do in the sense of, I, you know, pray the liturgy of the hours, right. take some personal prayer time each day. So it's beyond that. It's more kind of like kind of to go deeper and letting the scriptures themselves become a uh, an anchor for me in terms of my relationship with the Lord. Uh, in terms of fasting, <laughs> not my favorite thing at all, but I remember a friend of mine telling me that he each day looks to do something that denies himself in some way, whether it be to not hit the snooze alarm or to take a cold shower or to fast from eating or some disciplined thing that would kind of discipline his flesh in some way. And I thought that was very, very wonderful. And I think I'd like to try to develop that habit. Um, you know, obviously I'll observe the, the Lenten disciplines of fasting uh, and uh, abstinence. But I think too that how can I begin to each day consider what might I do today? And of course, if it's to be something like no snooze alarm, I need to decide that the day before. Right. Uh, so I can't wait till the last minute. I remember when I was in the seminary, I would decide, oh, tomorrow will be a fast day. I'm going to fast tomorrow. I'm going to, you know, not have lunch, which would be the main meal or whatever I was going to do. And then I'd come down to breakfast and they would post the menu for lunch. <gasps> And it would be like one of my favorites. Oh, I, I can't fast today. Well, that's, just, that's, that's not what I'm looking for, my friends. That's not what I'm recommending. Right. <laughs> that's, not a, that's not a good thing. So to each night, uh, part, of my night my, part of my nightly prayer will have to be, how, how tomorrow am I planning to discipline myself? And it might be the same thing for days at a time. But to give it something that some some days it's not easy to fast because I might have obligations in terms of a meal with somebody or whatever. But anyway, that's just the fasting is to just some discipline of my flesh each day to not let my flesh rule. Mm -hmm. You have anything else to suggest for me? <laughs> <laughs> Lay off the 15 Tarshi bars. Yeah, <laughs> just 14. I'll lower it down to 14. Okay, that's yeah. a good start. <laughs> and in terms of alms... I think I need to be generous with my attention to people, especially people that it's not easy to give my attention to. 
And I think the other one I can do, um, and this is an ongoing struggle, those of you who know me know the truth of this, being uh, punctual in returning phone calls or emails or responding to requests and situations. And so I need to be on top of those kinds of things more and more. And I know that I fail miserably in that regard, that the latter regard in particular, with being responsive in a timely kind of way. But if I take it on, at least as a Lenten discipline initially, that might then hopefully morph into a resolution that becomes a habit, that would be all the better. Right. In the same vein, things that I've been thinking about Mm -hmm. in terms of the way you framed almsgiving in terms of giving people more of your time. Mm -hmm. Something I've been thinking about and trying to already put into practice because now that I'm here at the pastoral center and and different situations, it outside of this work life that I'm meeting more new people Mm. and I have a habit of being not great with names. I remember people's faces and if I'm up at front I can tell you where which pew they sit in and which mass they go to but I don't always know people's names and I have to get over myself and recognize that, you know, we are called by name by God. And so names hold that importance. And as well as day by day interactions, when you pick up the phone and somebody says, hi, you've reached, you know, so such and such office, this is so and so, and hi, so and so, like those types of things of affirming the other person that you're dialoguing with humanity and even if it seems like you won't ever meet that person again I think that's something I need to do better but also in terms of the people I do interact with on a daily basis here at work or wherever really when someone mentions my husband and tells me their name I need to be better at that of remembering oh that's the husband's name so that because this person is important to me in my life, in, in my work life, and so their spouse is important to me because that's someone who's obviously important to them. So really just making sure that like I'm more aware of the people that are important to the people who are important to me. Well, that's wonderful. That certainly shows that kind of uh, individual attention and care. And, you know, I've heard it said about certain people uh, that when you're with them, you feel like you're the only one in the room, that right. they don't give their attention to anybody else while they're with you. And it's always it's always offered as a compliment. It's always offered as a very laudable kind of thing, as opposed to, like, looking over the shoulder and who else is in the room or being easily distracted. So that's, that's wonderful to be able to do that. And that's the thing. I find myself right now very easily distracted by other things weighing on my mind mm-hmm. or other situations that I'm... You know, like, um, yes, I want to be with this person and have this conversation, but at the same time, the running to-do list of mom things is, you know, is is creeping in. So I have to start to make intentional decisions about really focusing on people. In terms of fasting, for me, obviously there are some dietary things that I'm probably going to put into place, but also fasting in terms of allowing myself to do with less in my life, material Mm -hmm. things, Um, and starting, I I just got a situation that I was, I was given some things and I finally got them to the place where they needed to be 
because they're no, not doing me any good in my basement, right? And that space that it frees up and that freeness of spirit that these items are not weighing me down. And so to start to look at all the aspects of my life where I have not just physical clutter, but I have, I'm holding on to things that hold no more significant value to really let those things go and let myself just do with less, you know? The connection between the spiritual and the physical so that even if we're trying to get rid of baggage, whether it be spiritual, emotional, psychological, or whatever, by getting rid of junk, as it were, that really helps because it begins to clear out things. So as you're saying that, I'm thinking about my office. <laughs> I wasn't Listen to her laugh, folks. <laughs> Listen to her laugh and jeer, poking fingers at me. No. Um, my room. Uh, all these places are places where, oh, that, that kind of attention would be uh, very worthwhile. And maybe that needs to be a little bit of a pre-Lenten discipline as well, because the other thing about if we're going to begin, if I want to hit the ground running on February 22nd, Ash Wednesday, I need to already be in the in training, you know, right. um, and not have to wait for Lent. Lent is, an, is a paradigm or a model for resolution. But again, there's nothing magical about February 22nd, but there is something holy about Lent. Yes. And there is a movement that I've seen in the past several years that has 40 bags in 40 days. Okay. So in, in the 40 days of Lent, you, you find a bag of stuff that you can do without. And you either donate it, or you get rid of it, or you sell it or you pass it on. How big is that bag? Well, that's up to you. <laughs> folks, we're going to need some contractor bags for Father John's office. <laughs> Send help. She's not wrong. She's not wrong. <laughs> and shovels. No. <laughs> so, and um, so, and then back to the prayer. So, so that's my almsgiving and really my um, my fasting. But for, for the prayer life, I have been trying to more recently get to, I mean, we're blessed here that we work at the Chancery for many reasons, but one of them is that we have daily mass during yes. lunch break. And so just taking the opportunity, taking the time out of my day, not going on another Zoom call or another video presentation, or no matter how important it seems like it has to be, no matter how uh, it's the only time I can squeeze it in my day, but to take that 30 minutes of my day and give it to God, use all the opportunities and, and disciplines of prayer that are part of our spiritual tradition as Catholics. We're all very confident in the vocal prayers that we grew up mm. learning in faith formation and religious education. So, But sometimes we think of meditation as something very far off in the East. That's, But no, that's us. Yes. You know, it comes right from Psalm 1, you know, meditate on his his uh law the lord day and night right right like a tree planted flight flowing exactly waters, yes. so that meditation and and really groaning over the word of the lord that word of meditation in in hebrew is connected to groaning and growling and mulling over that and really allowing opportunities for contemplation for meditation for imaginative prayer putting myself in the scriptures mm -hmm. and i do vocal prayer um, a little more intense than other people because usually if a prayer is set to a chant or music, I find like one of my favorite saints, St. Hildegard von Bingen, uh, the vocalization of that prayer, that breathing together, that breathing in of, of, God, of the 
the breath and letting that come out through my that's part of the prayer as well so it's it's really a cleansing breath and so getting back to maybe chanting a little bit more mm. so if you hear you hear noises coming from my office in the morning just uh <laughs> put your headphones on that's right. if you heard it from my office it would sound like cats crying in the night but be that as it may you know one of the things i think that can be very helpful for us as we take these coming days and weeks to prepare for lent and next time we do a joint podcast like this i think we want to talk about lent a little bit more uh, fully and not just the resolution part but the whole uh, idea of lent as it were but I think that uh, what I want to do is to maybe kind of reduce my resolutions, as it were, to like an index card, a uh, sticky piece of paper that I could put in my the Liturgy of the Hours book or my Bible or wherever I'm going to be. So I'm going to be reminded of these things every time I look at that or post it on the mirror in the bathroom because that can be helpful because it's easy to forget. Mm-hmm. I want to encourage our listeners, however you might be led to consider resolutions or Lenten disciplines or anything that is going to be a decision that will involve some kind of change and decision about our routine, our schedule, our life, to not be discouraged when you fail, to not be discouraged when you did not meet that minimum goal or certainly when you didn't meet that stretch goal. But to just say, you know what, I'll get back to it. They say, and it's true, that the hardest day to pray, for example, or the hardest day to fast or diet or the hardest day to go to the gym is the day after you didn't go for a good reason. Uh, okay. So, for example, like, you know, you have a plan to diet, okay? There's a certain discipline in your intake, but you had a variety of situations at a particular day that did not allow you to do that. You were not able to create your own menu, and you were the dis- you were, it would have been inhospitable or whatever it might be. And then the next day, to get back in that discipline mode is very, very difficult. Or you didn't pray because you couldn't. You had to take a child to the hospital or some other kind of situation grabbed you and pulled you away. So for a legitimate reason, you were not able to get that prayer time in. The day after that, to get back into that rhythm of prayer was very, very difficult. If the resolutions that we're coming to is the fruit of prayer... Be assured, dear friends, that there's somebody who does not want us to be faithful to this. Yes. And so be assured that we, for ourselves, uh, will be praying for you all, that uh, you can be faithful to what the Lord uh, calls you to, and that we can call each other on. Just a reminder, what Jen and I just shared, we're not yet carved in stone. (laughs) (laughs) But it's good to kind of put ourselves out there and to uh, invite each one of us to look for those persons in our lives that can help us be faithful to what God is calling us to do. Amen. All right. So shall we end with a little prayer and a blessing, okay? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, we do thank you for Lent. We thank you for your own gift to yourself. We thank you, Lord, for taking on the discipline of our humanity in its weakness and raising us up to your divinity with its strength. Help us, Lord God, as we consider how we might be faithful to the call to become a new creation, not only by primarily by your work of grace in us, but also by our cooperation with that grace. Teach us how to do so, Lord God, in a way that is pleasing to you. 
We ask the grace of your Holy Spirit. We ask the consolation of the Blessed Mother and the saints. And we ask intercession of St. Joseph uh, in all these matters. And we ask you to bless us, Lord God, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This is the Heart of the Ark podcast, and we look forward to seeing you again soon. God bless you. Amen. Bye, Father. Bye, Jen. of the Ark podcast is an initiative by the Office for Evangelization at the Archdiocese of Newark. If you want to find us online, you can find us at rcan.org slash evangelization. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Very soon we'll be updating our social media for the Heart of the Ark, but you can find us on Fireside Podcasts at Heart of the Ark fireside.fm Our theme song is composed by and orchestrated by Eric Hunter, a dear friend of mine. You can find out more about Eric and his performances and compositions at Eric E-R-I-C Hunter H-U-N-T-E-R music.com This has been a pleasure and I look forward to hearing from you and speaking with you in the future.